Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted, or should I say welcome back to Packers <laughs> Unscripted. We are back. I am Mike Spofford from Packers.com. He is my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. And we're back, Wes, because we are headed to the NFL Scouting Combine, the annual gala in Indianapolis, Indiana. Oh, By the time okay. folks are watching slash listening to this, we'll be on our way to Indy. We recorded this just before we hit the road. So um, are you ready for this? It's, I'm ready. It's, it's another week in Indy, man. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, I'm ready for it. I was actually hoping you were going to say, no, we're live from Indy right now. <laughs> we brought the we studio moved, We down. moved the whole set, the whole studio. We took it to Indy Mar- with us. <laughs> Marvin grabbed a U-Haul and a Mayflower truck, and here we are yeah. uh, in Indianapolis. No, I'm excited for it. Th- there's no week quite like the NFL scouting combine. Uh, you, you see everybody in the National Football yeah. League, and they all descend upon not only just the city, basically about a four or five, six block radius. Uh, they're all in one one position, and uh, seeing getting a chance to talk with Brian Gutekunst already, as you and I will discuss right now, and then hearing what Matt Lafleur has to say down there. This is the thing where it always sets the the temperature a little bit of the water when you go into a new season. Everything restarts. This is always kind of like the first quarter, it feels like, as you get ready for the next season. It's kind of when the page is officially turned to the next season. It's not about the 2019 season, the 2019 playoffs in January. It's not about that anymore. It's now everything is looking ahead to 2020, and the scouting combine is kind of that moment where all eyes and all minds start going forward. Yeah, and in addition to all these NFL teams, every agent, uh, for the most part, in the National Football League is also in Indianapolis. Uh, as they begin to go through their meetings, and obviously the free agency only a few weeks away, it's just it's incredible because it's that reset button that you press. That everything that happened in 2019 for the Green Bay Packers, as cool as that was, Brian Gutekunst said it himself. I mean, this is a new season, a new year, a new opportunity, yep. and the Packers are looking to, you know continue upon this path that they put themselves on this past year. Well, this time of year, as you mentioned, is really the first opportunity media-wise for us to get a chance to talk to head coach Matt LaFleur, general manager Brian Gutekunst, as in terms of the pre-draft process here. And normally we hear from them strictly in Indianapolis. It turns out this year Brian Gutekunst decided to do sort of an off-to-the-side session with writers. You and I were included in that session as well as several other beat writers that cover the team on a regular basis. That was held on Friday at the uh, at Lambeau Field. And some interesting thoughts coming out of there because Packers, you know, this isn't just about the draft. The Packers have a lot of decisions to make in terms of pending free agents, other veteran contracts, all these things. Now, Brian Gutekunst didn't give us too much of an insight into where those decisions necessarily are headed, but he did say that really when everybody gets back from the combine and then you have kind of about a two-week window there before free agency starts to kick off, that's when a lot of the decisions and the planning and and the uh, uh, the path, so to speak, starts to take shape for where this offseason is going for Green Bay, and uh, th- that's sort of what he expressed to us in that meeting. Yeah, and this will be, too, where a lot of agents will sit down with the teams that hold their, their players' contracts uh, and start to have some of those really discussions and you know maybe have a chance to get that face-to-face encounter. Uh, Green Bay, it's such an interesting spot that they're in right now because, as Brian said, last year they made a, a, a you know, a ton of moves. You know, they, they not only signed those four free agents, they brought back Mercedes Lewis. They, they did a, some things that they felt were going to set them up 
uh, to have the type of year that they did, a real big bounce-back season. Yeah. Now you probably don't has, have as many available resources as you did when you made all those big signings. Yeah, certainly a lot tighter against the cap, and uh, that's really what it comes down to. There, there's no team in the league that's going to have the salary cap space to sign four guys on the first day of free agency two years in a row. Like, that's yeah. just not going to happen. No. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see exactly how that shuffles out. Yeah. Well, as we, uh, as we look ahead here, Brian Gutekunst gave us a, a bit of a, a preview of how things are going to go at the Combine. Now, just to give fans a sense of, of what goes on here, obviously what the media is doing or are doing at the Combine is very different from what the coaches and the scouts and, and the GMs and everybody else are doing there. The players, the players are there to they get medical checks, they get they have interviews, both formal and informal. They do all the workouts, which are going to be in prime time on TV this year. That's been a big change up to the schedule. From a media standpoint, we get to hear from some coaches and GMs. We also have access to the players. They take the podiums uh, at the convention center in downtown Indianapolis. Reporters from all across the country that cover the league uh, get a chance to be there to, to really our first chance to meet a lot of these guys because they've obviously only been playing in college. So that's always an interesting part of it. But a lot of stuff here packed into really what's going to come down to four days, like Tuesday through Friday in Indianapolis. Yeah, it's a whirlwind. And, you know, you start off that it's always interesting how those podiums at the very beginning, it's the GMs, it's the coaches. Occasionally it's a, it's a president of football operations. They'll go up there and they kind of set the table for everything. And after that, then the quarterbacks come in and the running backs <laughs> and the receivers. And position by position, the eight different podiums and then all the different you know tables that are around there. Guys get a chance to state their case and you know make some good impressions. The the one thing that actually leads to some interesting moments is you know I still remember being at some of these players the Packers ended up drafting. You know, ha ha Clinton Dix. I remember being at his podium back yeah. in 2014. Sure. Uh, you know, Josh Jackson, Jair Alexander. Um, you know, I don't think I was at Darnell Savage's last year, but like it, it's always been something when you see a guy at that podium and then two months later you end up seeing him in the Packers locker room. Right. And th those are the decisions they have to make. They, as Brian Goodkin said, they have 10 draft picks right now. They got a six-rounder for Reggie Gilbert. They got a six-rounder for Trevor Davis. They also uh, have their own sixth and two sevenths. So, I mean, there's a lot of flexibility, especially on that third day, that, that they're going to be able to move around and, you know, utilize those parts. And that is, you know, what it's going to take to really take that next step. As we were talking about earlier with the free agency side of this thing, Brian Bulaga, Mason Crosby, Tremont Williams, Blake Martinez, Kyler Fackrell. They have a lot of unrestricted free agents they're going to have to make a decision on. And by the time that you know all these measurables and interviews and, and everything gets brought together to make these picks, the Packers will have some resolution to how those free agents played out. Right. So it, it's like kind of like doing your homework for a test, but there's that quiz in the middle, right? <laughs> you got to see how that quiz goes and then start to figure out okay, where are you going to emphasize where could the potential strengths be at this draft? You and I will get a chance to get into that next week a little bit more, but there's just that whole week with the convention center, the events over at Lucas Oil Stadium, um, you know, the guys downtown. I mean, you just get to see these guys in so many different ways um, if you're an NFL scout to, to start making that decision on not only their medicals, but Character-wise, personality, could they be a fit for your locker room? Yeah, the, the interview process, I, I always think it's interesting because you talk to any GM, any scout, 
about the combine, and they will always say inevitably the two most important things that happen at the scouting combine are the medical checks and the interviews, the chance to sit down and talk to these guys and really kind of test their football knowledge and all that kind of stuff. Those are the two things that get no media coverage because there aren't any cameras, there aren't any interviews allowed during that part of the process. So all the media coverage is on a lot of the other stuff, the workouts and this and that. And and that's just part of it. That's that's just kind of part of the setup. But if you got rid of all of the workouts and all that stuff that's on television, the combine would still be really important for the because of the medicals and the interviews. That's yeah. the point I'm trying to and, make. And that's why it all started, right? Yeah. I mean, that was the thing. Yeah, it all started because of getting all the players together yeah. to have medical checks, essentially, like guys who have injuries in college to get an MRI on a knee or a CT scan on some injury, a shoulder, whatever yeah. it might be. That's how the whole thing started so that these players, these draft prospects, weren't basically being flown around to 20 or 25 NFL cities to get a medical check in every single city. So they combined their efforts. And uh, and then here we are now with what is what has now become a week-long extravaganza with primetime television coverage and the whole deal. That, that part of it I thought was a little bit quizzical in my mind because I still think you could end up taping the workouts in the morning and run them at night and nobody would be any worse for wear. Uh, but they, <laughs> except, you know, except for the results getting out. That's sure, the, but I I mean, no, if, you're watching, yes, exactly. if you're watching the thing in prime time, I mean, I'm guessing <laughs> Don Hodkowitz isn't like sitting there reading this thing online being like, man, I really got to watch this now at night. Oh, I'm not interested anymore. Yeah. But that's the NFL. Everything's yeah. a spectacle. It's the reason why it's really difficult to take a vacation when you work in this league. <laughs> but That's but, a discussion for another day. But yeah. but that's it's a 365-day it's a news cycle. It goes 12 yeah. months of the year, 52 weeks out of the year. And the other thing, too, that was interesting, getting back to our conversation with Brian Gutekunst, was the fact that this is an adjustment in how the coaches, how the the scouts have to approach this as well. They cut down on the number of formal interviews. Right. But, you know, Gutekunst kind of pointing out the silver lining to that is they get a couple more minutes now with each of these prospects, uh, whereas before I think it was 15, maybe now it's like 18. Yeah. You don't get your 60 anymore, but you still get 45 formals. Those are important. Taking what you learned at the the Senior Bowl, you're going to have your 30 pre-draft visits that you'll also have with prospects uh, between you know March and April uh, to kind of sift through as well. So uh, it, to a lot of people outside looking in, it was a big challenge. Uh, I think there were some people that were even kind of you know complaining about it. But Brian had a pretty optimistic outlook on it and what he thinks this is going to mean. And, and basically with his overlying assumption being they're still going to be able to get the job done. And in some cases, maybe they'll even learn a thing or two more than they would have under the previous setup. Yeah, and it sounds like there's there's been another set of what they call the informal interviews that are added where, where players from a specific position will be gathered in a group. And then the corresponding position coaches from around the league will be able to get together specifically with those players just in an informal interview setting, but maybe not quite as chaotic as the old school one which involved players and scouts and coaches and everybody uh, kind of all together at, at what they called the, the train depot in, uh, in Indianapolis. So they're breaking things down a little bit more to, and, and Gutekunst said he thinks that'll be, be beneficial to have some of these extra opportunities and going forward. To point this out too, and maybe you're going to mention this, but the Packers actually, they'll be sending their whole coaching staff and their scouting departments that's been kind of a point of contention this offseason with the reports that the Rams are going to keep home their assistant coaches. I believe it was Denver as well with Vic Fangio. Yeah, it was another team, yeah. Uh, we're going to keep their coaches at home. 
Brian said he feels like that still has a lot of value for his guys to be down there. Now, a position coach doesn't have to be there the whole week. An offensive line coach can go down there during the couple days that the offensive linemen are available and get the job done that they need and get back up to Green Bay. But, you know, for some people, they're trying to, you know, maybe get a little cute, I think some would say, or trying to reallocate their resources in different ways. Gutekunst, his staff, Matt LaFleur, still like, feel like there's a lot of value still having those guys in Indianapolis. Yeah. Well, I do want to get back to the conversation we had with the other beat writers and with general manager Brian Gutekunst because you mentioned the Packers have decisions to make yeah. on pending free agents like Brian Balaga, Blake Martinez. Those decisions are going to be made at some point. He did give, if he gave us insight into anything, it's that it really sounds like he wants kicker Mason Crosby to be back. Now, that's another pending free agent, Crosby coming off of maybe probably the best season of his career, 22 out of 24 on field goals. He only missed one extra point. He set a personal best for touchback percentage yeah. on kickoffs. And Gutekunst said, I think he I think he used, I forget exactly the phrase he used, I think he said the right ending. He he wants Mason Crosby back on this team in 2020. Obviously, there are no guarantees. This is a business. There are all kinds of business decisions that have to be made on both sides, the team side and the player side. But it sounds like he wants his veteran kicker still here in Green Bay. Yeah, and, and Mason has signed two contracts already with Green Bay. So that's one of the reasons why I've always kind of had that faith in it, that you can, you know, when you come to an agreement once, okay, you come to another agreement, all right, then you start to get down the line here 10, 12 years into a career. If there's no obvious signs of deterioration or drop-off, in which I don't feel there's been any with Mason Crosby, you pointed it out too. I mean, his touchback percentage was as high as it's ever been in yeah. his career. Yeah. Uh, and, and here's the other caveat to this too, and I don't mean to keep bringing this up because I did talk about it a lot during this past season of Unscripted, but if you ever need a reminder of how important a kicker is, Look at what happened in Chicago after they moved on from Robbie Gold. Yeah. They're still not settled there, and we're now three, three and a half years since they've released him at the beginning of this season back and in 2017. And their one playoff appearance in a decade ended because of a missed field yeah. goal. So you got to see how the thing, you know, he, Mason Crosby's going to have a market. There's a dearth of really competent, capable kickers out yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. But I think history has shown that those two sides have always found a way to make these things work out. I would think that they're going to put those efforts again here together. Crosby's still only, I believe, 35 years old. For a kicker, still a lot of tread on the tire. Yeah, one of the things I think that's interesting here with the Packers, and as we will be doing a couple of unscripted episodes from Indianapolis, we, you know, our annual on location. Um, episodes and we'll get into you know some of the name dropping of guys at some different positions that we hear from and you know those positions that people are talking about as as needs for the Packers and and whatnot so we'll get into a lot of those names and who's saying what next week but one thing I think is interesting here is that when you talk about these free agent decisions specifically with Brian Balaga and with Blake Martinez at offensive tackle and inside linebacker specifically I get the feeling, Wes, that whether or not you bring back Brian Balaga, whether or not you bring back Blake Martinez, I think those are two positions the Packers are still going to be looking at pretty strongly in this draft. Now, the the acuteness of the need, the immediacy of the need, will would depend on those decisions on those veteran players. But I think in terms of in terms of you know building the roster the way Brian Gutekunst would like to build the roster, those are going to be positions of need here going into this draft, regardless. Yeah, and, and I I have so much respect for Balaga because I think 
you know, there was a lot of doubters when he signed that five-year deal, you know, back in 2016 or whenever that was. Yeah, 15. it was 2015. It was after the 14. There were so many people yeah. saying, oh, there's no way he's going to see the end of that. And here he is. He, he fought through injuries. He played at an exemplary level. I mean, he's, in my mind, he's a Packers Hall of Famer right now. I think he's had that type of career and he's had that type of longevity. But you never know. And the thing I keep going back to was, and this is why I feel like it could be important for them to bring him back again. I'm not the one, you know, signing checks and and picking up the phone, but yeah, I, 2010 is such an important year when you look at what they did going into the Super Bowl season and the ability to bring back Chad Clifton. And, and, to, and I think Brian probably has a little bit more left than what Chad did at that point, but having Clifton as the left tackle that season was imperative for a Super Bowl run. Yep. And I, I see a lot of things with Balaga that could be very similar. This is a guy that has played good football for you. He's still one of the best right tackles in the game. And I'm sure Brian wants to get paid like one of the best right tackles in the game. So that's going to be something to monitor. All that being said, I think it's been one draft in the last maybe 15 years where the Packers haven't taken an offensive lineman. Right. Otherwise, they've kept going down to that well because you need them. You need the backups. You need to be able to keep guys in the pipeline. Packers have taken some swings at tackle over the last few years. They haven't all worked out. So I think that's one reason why, regardless of what happens with Balaga, you maybe think about having that guy there that you can develop behind those guys or jump in right away if you need him to. Yeah. As far as middle linebackers are concerned, this is really going to be a question, I think, more for Matt LaFleur and seeing what the direction that defense is going to be. Yeah. They played a lot of sub-package safety this year in the box with Ibrahim Campbell and, and Raven Green. I'm curious if that is really by design or if that was mostly by necessity. Um, and we're going to find out in 2020. But depending on what happens with Blake Martinez, that's one spot, maybe two spots that you're going to need to address. Yeah. Well, and – we, and we will hear from Matt LaFleur on Tuesday in Indianapolis. So when we do um, a couple of shows from Indy, we'll certainly be talking about a lot of his comments from the podium at the convention center. Gutekunst also had, he shared some thoughts with regard to the youth on this roster. And as any GM, I mean, and I don't care whether you're talking about Ron Wolf or Ted Thompson or Brian Gutekunst, Mike McCarthy would say, would say it as well. The biggest improvement for this team, when, when you get to this stage, the Packers made all their the big free agent signings a year ago. You end up making a run to the NFC Championship game. Your biggest improvement is most likely going to come from within. It's going to come from the young guys who are taking that next step. Now, you could be talking about you know Jair Alexander, Elton Jenkins, you know guys like that. But Gutekunst also is, you know, looking at guys at wide receiver and tight end and whatnot. And and what are they going to do? Those are positions I think the Packers will be looking at in the draft as well. So some interesting thoughts there in terms of just how exactly this puzzle is going to right. fit together when Brian Gutekunst arrives at the 90-man roster that he's going to take into training camp in late July. Yeah, first and foremost, and again, we'll discuss this next week, but tight end isn't nearly as deep as it was last year in this draft. Oh, yeah. They're, 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 I mean, you, you look at some of the projections. Now, last year we were talking about two tight ends almost certainly going in the first round, and they did. They both went in the top 20, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, the two tight ends from Iowa. This year... There's talk that there may not be a single tight end drafted in the first round at all. Yeah. So it, it's a completely different class at that specific position. But regardless of whether or not it was deep, 
Jay Sternberger has to be a big part of this. You know, I, I said all last season, I said it even going into the season. With the tight end, you got to be patient. you got to let them develop. Year two, year three is where you look for them to make a premium impact. So I think improvement has to start with Sternberger. It has to start with Robert Tanyan and then seeing what exactly happens from there with Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis. It, beyond that, though, I just think there's so many young players on this entire roster that whatever draft picks the Packers end up using and, and bringing in, they're going to have competition already here. If they bring in a middle linebacker, well, you have Oren Burks, you have Ty Summers, who Gutekunz was very quickly to, to mention that he's still very high on those guys and being you know potentially a part of this this team and this role and finding a spot on defense. Yeah, you have you know Kevin King, Jair Alexander. Chandler Sullivan or Chandon Sullivan, uh, Darnell Savage. I mean, there, there's so many young, so much young talent there. In addition to what they could do in the draft, and even if a guy like Tremont Williams could come back. But the thing I really look for on the offensive side of the ball, though, is the young talent that emerged throughout the course of last season. You bring up Elton Jenkins, you know, Alan Lazard. I mean, there are guys and playmakers that, yeah, undoubtedly the Packers could be helped by bringing in a, another receiver to maybe lessen some of that load, whether it be a veteran to help. Devontae Adams or a high draft pick those either of those guys could help or both or both but Alan Lazard needs to be a player on this team next year EQ St. Brown coming off of the high ankle sprain they want to see him make an impact yeah and Gutekunst did say all health reports at this point on St. Brown are positive suggested he'd probably be eased into some things during the off-season yes. program with off-season workouts but everything progressing as they would hope for with St. Brown coming off of the season-ending injury. Yeah, so as much as we can sit here, and, and we will over the next six, eight weeks, talk about the draft and who, you know, where, where they need help and, and who could step in, a lot of times those are conversations for 2021. Mm -hmm. You need those guys, maybe not necessarily your Darnell Savages, but I mean some of the guys that are those second, third, and fourth-round draft picks to start to carry that baton, like, like Martinez did in 2017, like Kyler Fackrell did in 2018, like Kenny Clark did in 2017. So that's where I really look for this team to get better, in addition to finding a few players here and there in this draft that could potentially help you from year one. You just don't have to depend on them right away. Yeah, I mean, and, and certainly you look back at last year's draft, uh, the Packers ended up picking three players in the first two rounds, Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage, Elton Jenkins, and two of those three end up making the PFWA yep. all-rookie team. They were uh, uh, you know, starters for the bulk, if not the entire season, depending on the case. And uh, you know, the pack, if, if Brian Gutekunst has another draft like that, um, you know, it'd be really interesting to see exactly where this Packers team goes because it looks like you know, this is headed toward, you know, another one of these mixtures between veteran guys and the young guys, and then you want to see that chemistry yeah. come together in the locker room like it did last year. That's not going to be an easy thing to repeat, but the veteran guys who are here, they know what that felt like last year, and that they're going to know what it takes to uh, to kind of steer things in that direction with whatever new faces come in. Yeah, and the young guys that were on this roster are going to be a part of that too. You know, they're going to feel that energy. You look at Rashawn Gary; he was there all year last year, both on the field with you know Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, but also in the locker room, in their positional room. Yeah, uh, that's really important for a young guy who's 21 years old. Uh, to be able to gain that kind of experience and that exposure. And, and yeah, there's a trickle-down effect to it, too. I just feel like the most exciting thing for Green Bay is the fact that they are back in the winner's circle again. Now, certainly the goal is not done. There's still work to be done 
Uh, they want to win a Super Bowl. They want to get back to a Super Bowl. They want to get over the hump from that NFC Championship game. But they also aren't sitting at 6-9-1 and one anymore. Right. Um, you're a little bit back up in front of the pack again. Right. So I, I think that that's where you listening to Brian, it's just incredible from where they were at a year ago at this time when they had nobody left from their 2015 draft class for the most part. They needed to restart there. They needed to find improvement. Well, now you start to have to answer tough questions again. Your 16 draft was incredibly fruitful. Uh, you know, you look at Kenny Clark. I think he's going to be one of the highest-paid defensive tackles when the dust settles here in the next year or so. Yep. You have Aaron Jones and, and Kevin King and Jamal Williams from that 2017 class, and you already touched on the 18 class with Jair Alexander. You're starting to see the tree that you know bear fruit again, and that's a good thing because as as cool as it was to go and sign the Smiths and Adrian Amos and, and Billy Turner, you don't want to always have to go to that well. Right. It's kind of a get out of you know, purgatory free card. <laughs> and, you know, the Packers yeah. were able to do that last season. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell you what, my friend, it's time to go to Indy. Yep. So, uh, warm up the bus. We are, yeah, we are off to Indianapolis. And that is the next time you will see us and hear from us will be from the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. We'll do a couple of episodes from there. Wes, Larry, and I will do some three things videos. Wes and I will be doing some stories off of the, uh, interviews with Matt LaFleur, the interviews with the prospects. We got all kinds of NFL scouting combine coverage coming to you all week long, so be sure to check all of that out. For now, he's Wes, I'm Mike. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next time.